Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. Glad you are here today. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but in that uh, second song, and in the last song we declared this as well, but we said, when we say the name of Jesus, did you catch that the enemy has to flee? Amen? There's a lot of Satan in this world. And all you have to do is say the name of Jesus, and he has to run. Amen? We believe that here at this church, people. And that's a good, good thing. And uh, we are going to get into it today, so welcome, glad you're here. We are in the midst of a series, we're kind of right in the middle of it, I think we're literally in the middle of it, uh, this word called modnik. And it is very simply this understanding that God's kingdom, the kingdom that God is establishing, is different. It's backwards. It's upside down from any other kingdom that is being established on earth or anywhere else, for that matter. God's kingdom operates and is different, which is why we didn't call it kingdom. We called it modnik, which is simply kingdom spelled backwards. It's very simple. This whole series is about how do we operate? How is God's kingdom different than everywhere else? And so we've been working our way backwards through this word. We started with the letter K, of course, which stands for Jesus, our king on a cross. And we asked the question, what kind of king would leave his throne in order to be sacrificed and crucified on a cross? And the answer is our Savior would, Jesus. That's right, I got the answer right here from the front, from our youngest one in the room. That was awesome. We are ready. I am ready to preach this morning. Keep it going. <laughs> this is good stuff. And then we got to the next one, which is the letter I. And we talked about this on Easter, the fact that God's kingdom is different than every other kingdom. Because why? Because we can spill water on the stage. That was awesome. Why? Because we are invited, everyone, every single one of you, every person that you know, every person on the planet has been invited by God to be a part of his kingdom. Not everybody accepts it, but everybody's invited. Everybody has gotten the invitation. The invitation is Jesus on the cross and Jesus resurrecting from the grave. We've all been invited, every person. And that's another thing that makes it different. And then last week we talked about the N, and the N stands very simply for it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about us. God's kingdom is all about God, and it's okay that it's all about God because God first loved us. He loved us first. He sacrificed for us. He gave to us first. He forgave us first. And so it's all about God. And you know what God does? God actually kind of centers it around us. But it can't start with us. It has to start with God. It's not about us. It's about God. And today we get to the letter G. And I'm not going to tell you what G stands for just this moment, but we'll get into it. So uh, you guys know this already. If you've been to Northridge for any length of time, you know that one of the things I love the most are the mountains. I love mountains. Now, the problem is that my wife, she doesn't love mountains. She loves the beach. She loves the beach. And so what our arrangement is, we have an arrangement is every other summer, we either go to the mountains, and if we went to the mountains last summer, we go to the beach. So it's every other year. Guess what this summer is? This summer's a good summer. It's a mountain summer. All you beach people can just take that beach and, well, I'll just stop there. 
I love the mountains. And so we're going to go to the mountains. But it's interesting, isn't it, that we all have tendencies, preferences. We all have differences in how we view life and what we like and what we enjoy, don't we? For example, dog and cat people. How many of you are dog people in here? How many of you are willing to admit you're dog people? Okay, that's a pretty large percentage. How many of you are willing to admit you're cat, piece, you're cat person? All right, there's less people. There's a few of you in here. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, all right. There's, there's also pool and beach people. I talked about mountain and beach, but there's pool. How many of you are pool people? Like over the beach, you're, you're kind of pool per- Okay, a few pool people. We have a lot of pools in Wanakee for only a handful of pool people in here. All right, uh, how many of you would say you're beach people? Like you want to be on the beach, feel the sand beneath your toes, uh, run from sharks, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. All right, good. Awesome. Uh, okay, next one. Night and morning. How many of you are night people? You're night owls. Man, you love night. It's like, man, it's awesome. Okay. How many of you are morning people? Wow. Morning people ruling the world this morning. Like, look at that. There's more of you in here. Ah, okay. Very good. Good to know. See, what I'm really doing is I just want to know what I'm dealing with in our church. Like, that's why I'm asking this question. I have no reason for that. I'm just kidding. Uh, how many of you are, like, between sports and arts, how many of you are, like, sports people? Like, man, sports is it for you. How many of you are, like, arts? Arts is a thing, music, creativity. Okay, that was, a, that was about even. That's, that's really cool. All right, uh, last one. How many of you are Green Bay Packers people? Oh, we, got a, we even got a woo on that one. Like, we're getting serious now, okay? I hate to ask it. How many of you are Chicago Bears people? All right. Both of you, uh, the, the exit is over there. God loves you, but I'm not sure if we have a place for you here. So I don't just, no, I, in fact, let me, let me, let me get really serious. Let's like, like this is, this is serious that God even loves these people. How many of, how many of you are Minnesota Vikings fans? Oh, we got one. He's, I, I hate to say it. He's on staff guys. I, I don't know what I'm thinking, but uh, here we are. <laughs> wow, we are having fun this morning, aren't we? Well, it illustrates the point that we all have differences, don't we? But there's one thing that makes all of us the same. And that is that we all, according to God's word, have sin. We all have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. You have a sin problem. Every human being is born with a sin problem. And because of that, we are born being takers, right? We're takers from the get-go. We have to learn to be sharers, to be givers. This is why, I don't know if you've ever known this. I've seen this in my own kids. I'm sure you've seen this with other kids. But when you see toddlers, what is the one thing that you don't have to teach them? If there's only one truck in the room, what's going to happen? Oh, man, it's on right? If you, you, you watch MMA or any of those, like, like it's got nothing on toddlers when there's one truck or one toy for two little toddlers. Like, it's like, it's mine, right? Have you ever heard the word mine? Oh man, I've heard the word mine a few times. We still even get that from our teenagers, but it's usually like screen time or like food or something like that, right? And, and, and I feel that, let's be honest, I feel this way. I, I'm, a, I'm a taker by nature. I'm a taker by sin. Because when I see a plate of cookies, you guys know, I've, I've admitted this. Now, I, I'll be honest. I share cookies. I do. I'm just, I'm confessing that. I do. I'm saying, I, I share them. But can I confess to you that I don't want to? 
I'm serious. I don't want, I'm, I'm like, when I'm giving, so when you guys know I'm sharing cookies, just know I don't actually want to do it, but I'm doing it because I need to do it. Like, it's, it's, I have to struggle away from my take mentality, and I have to share it. What I would like to do is I like to stuff them away, and I like to spread those out over a couple of weeks. Have a cookie a day. I love that. I savor things. Mm, sharing doesn't work with that. You know why? Because I find other people don't savor those things. They just eat them. And I'm like, what did you do with all my cookies? We ate them. Uh, I'm going to have to hide them next time. The truth is that we believe... This culture's lie, and because we're in sin, we naturally are born as takers. We believe this myth, this lie, and that lie is this. The more I have, the happier I am. We believe that. Absolutely. In this country, we believe it. We believe that's true. Now, of course you don't go around saying that, because you will look like a selfish, greedy prick, <laughs> basically. I mean, really, the more I have, the happier I'm going to be, and I'm going to take you for all you're worth. Of course, we don't say that. We do it subliminally. We manipulate. But we believe it deep down. We believe, man, if I just did this, if I could just go there, if I just got that bonus, life would be so much better. The more I have, the happier I'm going to be. And we believe this lie. Well, what's interesting is 2,000 years ago, there's this guy. He's pretty cool. His name is Jesus. And he declared emphatically, according to the Apostle Paul, who wrote it in the book of Acts, he declares that it is more blessed, you are more blessed, you will be more blessed to give than to what? Than to receive, than to take. We could put that word in there. It's the same thing. To take. It, you will be more blessed by God. You will receive blessing more if you are a giver versus a taker. Somebody who just consumes. Jesus declared this. And so, did you guys figure out what the G stands for in Modnik? In God's kingdom? God pushes for us to have extreme what? Extreme generosity generosity. God's kingdom flows with generosity. And so here's what I want to do today. You guys know I've talked about generosity here at Northridge before, many times before. And so I could kind of give a similar kind of a thing, but I decided, uh, I heard a message by this guy named Pastor Benji Kelly, and he kind of tackles generosity a little bit different way. He goes over three areas that God wants us to be generous in. And as soon as I heard this, I was like, okay, that is something that is a part of this Modnik, and it was actually a Modnik series that they did. And I was listening, I was like, wow, that is really, really, that nailed, it was like a bullseye. Just nailed it. And I was like, okay, those are our three things. So I changed things up a little bit, but these are the three things that he talks about. So I want to talk about what Pastor Benji talks about as far as generosity. So these are three areas to be generous in according to God and his word. Let's go. Be generous with the first one is be generous with kindness. Oh man, this is a hard one already. And just so that we're clear, this is the easiest one of the three. Be generous with kindness. Now, can I honestly say this? Our church, our church is good at this. You guys are good at this. Not perfectly, of course. We're not, we're not always there. 
But you guys are good at this. I was just telling, actually, one of our volunteers, I was telling Nikki up, up in the lobby today, uh, just this morning, that we, Laura and I were talking to a new couple that has just started coming to our church. And they were kind of telling us about Northridge and how they feel about things. And they said they had checked out, you know, a bunch of different places. And, and they said when they walked into Northridge, it felt different than anywhere else. They knew immediately, they looked at each other, they knew immediately this was home. And I don't, that's not because the gym floor is awesome. Right? That's not because the message was on point that day. You know what that was? That was because of you. It was because of our church and the warmth and the friendliness and the kindness and the generosity that we exude all the time. Do we do it perfectly? No, of course not. Can we always get better? Absolutely. But you guys do this, and I'm so thankful for that. But I don't know if you've noticed, but our world seems to be getting more polarized, not less. Have you noticed that the the canyons that were already there, we're not actually shrinking them, we're widening them. I think we all recognize that. We're getting further and further away from groups that we don't agree with and that we don't believe with and all those things. We're widening the gap, not shrinking it. Mean spirited people. Have you guys noticed that there are some mean spirited people out there? They just kind of walk around with some hatred going on. And they, they flip just like that. All of a sudden, like, whoa, what did I say? Well, we're trying to teach this and force this and legislate this as a culture. But what if I were to tell you that kindness has nothing to do with whether you agree with the person or not? Our culture is teaching us. Do you know why the gap's widening? Because our culture is teaching us teaching our children our our youngest generations they're teaching this that you cannot disagree with somebody you can you can't love somebody or be kind to somebody if you disagree with them i am here to tell you that that is a lie don't believe it you will simply help widen the gap if you disagree with somebody, it is, I'm here to declare emphatically today, it is absolutely, completely possible for you still, even if you fundamentally disagree with them, for you to love them and to be kind to them. It's possible. Absolutely. Is it harder? Of course it is. Everything worth doing is harder. It's true. And so we need to be generous with our kindness. Generous with our kindness. Listen to what Colossians 3.12 says. It says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves, which means consume yourselves, surround yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How much of that have you seen in our world today? Not much of that. Kindness. I love what Proverbs says. It says basically the exact same thing as Colossians says. It just says it in a really brutal, very forthright way. Listen to what Proverbs eleven seventeen says. Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Man, we should tweet that one all day long. Definitely on Twitter, by the way. One of the most hateful places I've ever been. Your kindness, think about it, your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. I love how Pastor Benji Kelly puts this. He was kind of talking about this, and, and he just 
hit right here. And he said, you can do one of two things. You can make a point or you can make a difference. How many of you have been spending the last couple of years making a point? Seriously. Good for you. You know how many you've convinced? Virtually nobody. And you've widened your gap. You've lost your voice in their life. And now you're not going to be able to make a difference. Because you wanted to make a point. I get it. I have the thoughts too. When I read things on social media, I'm like, ooh, I have a zinger that I could post for that. Oh, they are so wrong. They have no idea how wrong they are. I have those thoughts too, guys. I, I know. I have those thoughts. But you know what I don't do? I don't, I don't think we should make the point against them, especially on social media, for everybody else to see the carnage. Because you know what you do? You've just lost the voice with that person and all the people that they're connected to. And so, good job. You're not going to make a difference either. You can make a point, or you can make a difference. But you really, it's going to be hard to make both. And so that's something that we've got to watch out for. All right, let's, go, let's move on. I could harp on that. we got to move on. I'm skipping. Let's jump. Let's go. Number two, all right? Be generous with kindness, but now we need to also be generous with forgiveness. Oh, this is getting deeper. This deeper level. Kindness is kind of, you know, the, that surfacey kind of thing, all that kind of stuff. It needs to come from a genuine place, but it's kind of that initial stuff. Forgiveness is deeper. Forgiveness, and by the way, God always does this first before he asks us to do it. So God forgave you first, right? He already modeled this, and then he calls on you to do the same. In fact, let me read what it says in Colossians 3, 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone? It's a high standard. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. You know, we pray this thing called the Lord's Prayer. A lot of people pray it on a daily basis. You know, our Father who art in heaven. And then you, you know what that next line is? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then what does it say? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. What you're asking, I don't know if you realize this, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, I'm saying you need to know what you're praying. When you pray that prayer, you're asking for God's kingdom as it is done in heaven for his will and his kingdom to rule and reign here. To rule and reign here. That generosity in kindness, that generosity and forgiveness would rule and reign here. Kindness and forgiveness, they go hand in hand, they go together. Let me share a story that kind of illustrates this. So um, there's a single mom who took her kids to a restaurant. And they sat down at the restaurant, they ordered their food, their food came, and, and uh, because they were followers of Jesus, they were Christians, uh, they pray before their meal, and so she asked her youngest daughter to pray before the meal. And you guys know when some of the, your, your, your youngest kids pray, sometimes they'll pray things that you're not quite ready for, and they also pray really loud. Right? Sometimes they're like too soft and you're like, you're listening for the amen to be like, I'm with you, I'm with you. Amen. 
she said, I mean, okay, all right, we're good, right? Or they're like, oh, Jesus, thank you for my family. You know, and everybody's like, okay, the whole restaurant here as well. This was a loud prayer, all right? Her youngest daughter, she's really little, just a few years old, and she's praying really loudly. And she, she prays for all kinds of things, and she finally gets to the point where she says, you know, God, thank you for this food that we're about to eat. And then this little girl ends her prayer like this. She says, and God, I will thank you so much more if my mom will order ice cream for us for dessert. <laughs> and this is, this is how she ended it. And liberty and justice for all. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Isn't that just so good? I love the brutal honesty and just simplicity of a child. Amazing. But here's what happened. A waitress overheard this prayer and so she came over and she was one of those mean-spirited ones and so she looked at the table and she looked at the at the mom and she said see that's what the problem is today kids don't even know how to pray properly yeah and and of course she walks away and her daughter's sitting there and she lo- and she looks at her mom and she says mommy did i say something wrong and she said no honey you're just you're totally fine it was it was a great prayer And this older gentleman leans over. He overheard the prayer as well. And he kind of leans over from from their table. And he says, you know what? I think your prayer was perfect. More people should pray for ice cream because it'd be good for their soul. (laughs) And you know what happened? At the end of that dinner, the mom, of course, being a great mom that she was, what'd she do? She ordered ice cream for dessert. And the ice cream came, and the little girl took that ice cream. And she walked over to the waitress. And she handed it to the waitress. And she said, here, you can have my ice cream. It'd be good for your soul. (laughs) Isn't that good? Kindness. Forgiveness. It is really easy to tell a story about it, but it's really hard because I know we have people in here who have been hurt deeply, way more than a waitress saying that your prayer was wrong. You had somebody that was supposed to love you, but they abused you instead. Forgive anyone? Sure, but not that person. It's hard, isn't it? Some of you were promised by somebody that they were going to be with you. They're going to love you for the rest of your life, but then they didn't. They walked away. Forgive them. That's hard, isn't it? Being generous with forgiveness is not easy. And remember, I always say this because this is important. Sometimes we, we say forgiveness is making ourselves a doormat and saying that what they did to you was okay. That is not at all what it's saying. It's saying you'll never do that to me again, but what you did to me, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to release myself from the anger and the bitterness and the rage and the hate that I have towards you because they moved on and you're the one still in prison. Are you willing to be generous with your forgiveness. It's the only way to be free of the hatred and the anger and the bitterness that comes from holding on to it. Remember those taker mentalities what I was talking about? We grab something and we hold on to it and we don't want to release it. 
And as a result, it kills us on the inside. And it destroys us from the inside out. Do you remember the Proverbs passage? Your kindness, your forgiveness will reward you. Your cruelty, your revenge, it will destroy you. Are you willing to release it? All right, I told you it gets harder and harder. The last one, you guys could probably guess, the last area. We need to be generous with our kindness. We need to be generous with our forgiveness. But we also need to be generous with our money, our possessions. Oh, I just said the M word right away. I can feel hearts, I feel souls and hands clenching. Here we go. Don't talk to me about my money, Pastor. I know. I've been in those chairs when somebody else has talked about it. I know how it feels. We have this thing. There's another myth. In addition to the myth is, if I have more, I'm going to be happier. The more I get, the happier I will be. In addition to that myth, here's what we also, another myth that we have. We make generosity with forgiveness about a heart thing. We make that a heart thing. When we talk about generosity and kindness, we make that a heart thing. That's a heart thing. That's an attitude. Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a feeling thing. Oh, man, that's right there. But then we talk about generosity with money, and you know what we do? We make it a math thing. Run the numbers. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because we don't want to make it a heart thing. Because if it becomes a heart thing then we know what we have to do. And so we don't want to hear that. But what if I were to tell you that Jesus tells you very clearly, it's a heart thing. It is not a math thing. It's a heart thing. Math is involved, of course, because they're numbers. But it's not a math thing. It's a heart thing. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your possessions, wherever your money is, wherever that is, that's where your heart is. It's a heart issue. So when I was uh, a kid, I was in elementary school, I was playing with uh, my brother in the front yard, and we were kicking this ball back and forth, like punting this ball back and forth. And uh, we were trying to, you know, kick it as hard as we could so that the other one wouldn't catch it. It was kind of this game of if you missed it, if you dropped it, you know, you lost that round or whatever. It was always competitive. Me and my brother, always competitive. My parents will tell you that, right? Even if it was like we couldn't walk by each other without just poking each other just to get something going, right? And by the way, I never lost that. I still do that to my kids, absolutely anybody know that like like you just you have to uh, you have to walk by the kids you have to like get them you have to poke them or tickle them or do something I don't know I just have to do that so I've never lost it I'm still working on that one but we were playing in the front yard we were kicking this ball back and forth and doing this thing and uh, my brother kicked this ball really really hard and he, he just got a hold of it this time. And he's four years younger than me. So I wasn't ready for it. I was like, whoa. And so I'm backpedaling like this, trying to catch this ball so it doesn't drop. Because, you know, my pride's on the line here. Right? And so I can't let this thing drop. And I'm backpedaling and backpedaling. Well, in the corner of the yard, I didn't realize how far to the edge of the yard I was. There were these this construction material, boards and all that kind of stuff. And I go and I'm going to catch this ball. And I hit one of those boards with my heel. And I go backwards. I just kind of, I, I don't flip, but I kind of, I go backwards pretty hard. And I put my hand back down. But what the problem was, was there's a few nails sticking up out of those boards. 
And my hand went right on one of those nails sticking straight up. And it went all the way down. It didn't quite come through my hand, almost. All the way in. And it was like one of those first seconds. I was like, oh, something's wrong. And I was like, oh, that hurts. Oh, and of course then, you know, ah, and I run inside, rush to the emergency room. My hand is just throbbing. I mean, it was, it was one of the more intense pains I've ever felt, no doubt. And, uh, and, and we went into the emergency room. And what happened was when the doctor came in, of course, the doctor has to look at it, right? But I'm a kid. And I know my hand is just throbbing. It hurts so bad. And so he goes to like, you know, look at it and touch it. And I'm like wincing and I'm kind of pulling my hand away. Right? In fact, for the next several days, when people would get close to my left hand, I would, I would kind of pull my hand away. Why? Because it was tender. It was sore. We do the same thing with money. We do the same thing with money. When people talk about our money, when t- people talk about our possessions... It's a sore spot. It's tender. It's offensive. And so we, we shrink. We shrink back. We pull it in. And what God says is, we've got to do the opposite. We have to lean in. We have to be generous. We have to allow the blessing to flow. Do you guys know that you cannot accept the gospel without the generosity of God? Right? You realize that? That Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave because of his generosity. What does the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, say? For God loved the world so much, he so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He released. He was generous with his one and only son. Everything, in other words. He gave everything. He didn't hold back. He gave everything to you. You can't have the gospel the good news of Jesus without generosity. It's not possible. And Jesus declares it's not about just being forgiving. It's not just about being kind. It's not being generous with kindness and forgiveness, but not money. And it's also not, by the way, so I, I see some people go this route. In fact, I'm about to read something that proves this. Some people, they're very generous with their money, but they're not generous with kindness or forgiveness. Can I just tell you that you're supposed to be generous with all of them? It's not like, I'm generous with my time, so I don't have to be generous with my money. I've heard that. It's a myth. Some people say, well, I'm generous with my money, so I don't have to be kind. Uh, that doesn't work either. I think we all recognize that one. But Jesus called the Pharisees out for this, for their hypocrisy. Listen to what he says, Matthew 23, 23 and 24. Jesus' words, he's talking directly to the Pharisees. He says, you Pharisees are careful to tithe, that's 10% of their income, tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. We could say kindness and forgiveness included in that. You should tithe, yes, Jesus says, but do not neglect the more important things. Do you guys know why we as a church are able to do things like Jingle Jam every year where hundreds of people pack into this place 
And do you know what? I, I, I don't get this as much anymore because we have a reputation now uh, that they know this. They kind of come in expecting this. But the first few years that we did Jingle Jam and, and Northridge Fest and Super Saturday and all that kind of stuff, the first question that people asked is, how much does it cost? And when we'd say, it doesn't cost anything. We just, just have a good time. We're just glad to be here. We're thankful that you're here. They would look at me like I just said, the earth is flat again. I mean, that's how they look at me. They're like, really? You're not going to charge? No. You know why we can do that? Because of the generosity of God and the generosity of our church. You got, literally, you make it possible. Do you know why um, Pastor Nick organized Love Week this last summer? A lot of you were a part of that. It was awesome. And one of the things we did is we went around the community and we handed out gas gift cards and grocery gift cards and, and all that kind of stuff to just people who we thought, you know, we prayed about it, we prayed God lead us to the right people, and we handed these things out and we blessed people with these cards. And let me just tell you, people were weirded out by it. They could, it was hard for them to accept it. Some of you that did this, you know. I, there were some times, and they'd, they'd back off. Like, what do you want from me? No, 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 we don't want anything for you. We want this for you. This is for you. We don't want anything from you. This is for you. You know why they thought it was so weird and they couldn't believe it? Because our culture is so different than that. You know why? We've seen, we, we took a whole trailer of supplies up to Fort McCoy when the Afghan refugees came by the thousands. Remember that? Pastor Nick, Denny, you drove the trailer up. Is your trailer that we used. And people bought supplies or people brought things from their house. And we filled that trailer, the bottom of that trailer up. And we took it up to Fort McCoy to the Afghan refugees. You know why we were able to do that? Because of generosity. People have come to Christ. We've seen tons of people baptized. We've seen people freed from addictions. We've seen people go deep, deep, deep in their faith as a result of things that our church is doing and what we're, what we're about and what we're praying for, do you know why that's all possible? It's, because, it's possible because of your generosity. It's not because I preach well or, or because our music is awesome. Our music is awesome, by the way. The band is amazing. Seriously, isn't it? They're just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Our staff does, do uh, you understand that I have an amazing team? I am not this good, you understand. Seriously, I'm not. I have an amazing staff, an amazing team. But none of it, and I mean none of it works without generosity. If there's no generosity, our church doesn't exist. It won't work. Generosity is the key. Let me leave you with this thought. Generosity brings life. It's life-giving. It's the opposite of takers. Takers will destroy you. Taking will destroy you. Unforgiveness will destroy you. Unkindness will destroy you. Absolutely. It's not a question. So in Israel, there's two main bodies of water in Israel. There's a body of water called the Sea of Galilee, and there's a body of water called the Dead Sea. <laughs> you guys already know where I'm going, don't you? 
The Sea of Galilee, I have a, pic, a couple of pictures of it. The Sea of Galilee, if you would go there to this day, it is vibrant. It is full of life. It's got, you know, green and flowers and trees. It is just beautiful. There's life all around it. It is life-giving. The animals in there, they fish in the Sea of Galilee, which is just a big lake, all the time. It is life-giving. The other source of or the other water is the Dead Sea. Completely the opposite. It's dead. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. It's very aptly named because no animal can survive in this water. You will, you will find no animals in that water. Maybe like microorganisms, but that's it. You, there's nothing that can survive in this water. Look around it. It's all just salt, flats, dead. Nothing can grow there. It's dead as can be. And by the way, it's drying up. Now, here's what's interesting. The Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, they, you would think that they're, they're, they have, like one of them has bad water and the other one has better water. They have the exact same source of water. They're both fed by the Jordan River. Same water source. Two completely different outcomes. You know why? The Sea of Galilee releases what it's given. The Sea of Galilee releases, it has an outlet for what it takes in. The Dead Sea, you know why it's dead? Because it only consumes. And the question that I have for you today is simply this. Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you the Sea of Galilee? Or if you're going to be honest... Are you a little bit more like the Dead Sea? Only taking, only consuming. Remember how I started? Because of sin, we're takers. We clench. Our fists are ready. We hold on to things. What if I were to tell you that one of the main solutions of the problems in this world is if people would simply do this. Just do this. Allow God to lay you down. Allow God to help you lay down your possessions. Lay down your money. Lay down your pain. Lay down your anger. Lay down whatever you're holding against that group of people or that other person that hurt you a long time ago. Can you lay it down? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us. And I just want to invite you, if you're willing, you might, you might think that this is uncomfortable, but I'm sure you'll get over it. Would everybody just join me in taking your hands out and just putting them out and open? Just as a symbolic gesture to understand. Some of you maybe are not with me on this. Okay. But this changes your attitude, doesn't it? It changes your posture. If you come at people like this, you're ready to fight. But if you come at them like this, you're ready to surrender. Let me just ask you the question, what do you need to surrender today? I don't know what it is, but you do. So as we pray, just keep your hands out and open. I'm going to do the same. And let me pray. Jesus, 
Help us to be givers, to be generous. God, help us not to hold on to hatred, but to be generous with kindness. God, help us not to be revengeful and hateful. Help us not to hold on to that idea that I deserve, I have a right to be angry. Yes, we have maybe a right to be angry, but we also have the right to be free of the anger and the bitterness. Help us to release it. Some of us in here, there might be a few in here, they've been holding on to pain, they've been holding on to hatred for a person, for somebody else, for so long. And it's been killing them inside, destroying them, as that Proverbs passage said. God, help us to be generous. Help us to release our money. Help us to release our possessions. Help us to release our hatred. Help us to release that angst that we have toward that political party, toward that person, toward that, 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 that social media post that was against what we believe or against what directly at us. Help us to release that pain and that hatred and all that stuff that's in there that's, that's slowly eating us alive. Help us to be generous. Help us to be generous. Help us to be generous. Help us to be givers, not takers. God, help us to lay ourselves down. Lay us down, God, at your feet so that we can truly worship you and receive the blessings and the generosity that you have for us. We pray this and ask this in your name, Jesus.